1: Welcome to the Civil Engineering Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Fasano, and this is the podcast specifically for civil engineers who want to succeed. In today's episode, I talk with Anthony Vinafro about growing a civil engineering company from day one to 15 people. This is a really interesting and exciting episode for me, the opportunity to talk with Anthony. I reached out to him because I saw a post from him on LinkedIn Saying that he was taking a short break from civil engineering consulting because it was such a hard job. It was hard work when he was hired at the inception of this company by the owner to build it. And the two of them built it up to 15 people. And if you've had experience with a small civil engineering company, you know that 15 people is a sizable operation and there's a lot to be done. And you'll hear this from him in this conversation. It's really interesting to get the perspective of a young engineer who was tasked with a really a tall task, and thrown into the fire, and did a wonderful job. So before we get into our civil engineering conversation of the week with Anthony, I want to take a moment to recognize our sponsors for today's episode. First, I have some exciting news. PPI, our exclusive exam prep podcast sponsor, is giving away $100 Amazon gift cards every month to our listeners. For more information on how to qualify, make sure to listen to my announcement later on in this episode. I am also excited to tell you about our newest sponsor, SkySiv, a company who offers structural analysis software on the cloud. With easy, affordable subscription pricing, they're making structural analysis software available to everyone who needs it. I will tell you more about how they can help you in a few moments. All right, let me introduce our guest for today's civil engineering conversation so that you get to know a little bit more about him before we dive into the conversation. Anthony Vinafro holds a Bachelor of Science degree from James Madison University, where he graduated with cum laude honors. He entered the land development industry in 2005 as a designer with Leuterman Solstice Associates, Inc. There, Anthony quickly mastered his design skills and was promoted to senior designer in 2006 followed by assistant project manager and lead technological group representative in 2007. So you can see that Anthony really progressed quickly, and you'll hear about that in our conversation you're about to hear. He joined Smith Engineering at its inception in October of 2008 as a project manager. In his role as director of engineering with Smith Engineering, Anthony managed the engineering department and further streamlined the in-house engineering operations. And that's what he's going to get into in this interview that you're about to hear. But before we dive in to our conversation, I want to let you know that this week's civil engineering conversation is brought to you by SkyCiv. SkyCiv is a new and powerful structural analysis software on the cloud that is changing the way engineers work. Their software is securely based on the cloud and runs through your web browser so there's nothing to download, install, or maintain. SkySiv offers subscription-based pricing so you can even subscribe month-to-month as you need it. SkySiv Structural 3D comes with a full-section builder, easy reporting, multiple solve types, plate analyses, and integrated design modules such as AISC 360. For a limited time, Sky Civ is offering all of our listeners a free 14-day trial. Sign up for this exclusive offer by visiting skysiv.com forward slash coach. Again, that's skysiv.com forward slash coach and try skysiv today. All right, let's jump into today's Civil Engineering conversation. Civil Engineering Podcast.
0: Civil Engineering Podcast.
1: All right. Now it's time for our civil engineering conversation of the week. And I want to welcome Anthony Vinafro to the Civil Engineering Podcast. Anthony, how are you?
2: I'm doing great. How are you?
1: All right. I'm doing great. Thanks for coming on the show. We got a great uh, little episode we got for you here. Anthony's going to talk us through his career as a civil engineer to date, where he's experienced some interesting decisions to be made that I think a lot of civil engineers have to make throughout their career. You heard a little bit about in his bio, but Anthony, what I'd like you to start off by doing, if you don't mind, is give the listener a summary of your career to date, just an overall summary, and then we could dig into some of the details.
2: It starts off in a unique way. I, was, I didn't go to school for civil engineering, but I uh, graduated from James Madison University in Virginia here with uh, sports management and a business major, believe it or not. And I was looking for a job in that industry right out of school. Nothing was really panning out. Ended up just uh, applying for an urban planner position with a larger company based out of Maryland in the Northern Virginia area here. I had an interview and the general manager at the time, Blake Smith, you know, him and I had just kind of hit it off and he was just trying to get the right type of person in there, regardless of history. And I uh, took the job making probably 12, 13 bucks an hour because I didn't even know what the industry actually was at that time. He was talking about AutoCAD and MicroStation. I didn't know what was what. He hired me then. That was back in early 05 and just caught on really quick. Had some good teachers there. And then, you know, literally within about a year, year and a half, I was helping train kids out of engineering school because what I've learned up to that point in civil engineering was just hands on real life work. So I could still uh, offer some advice, even to the The graduates out of engineering school.
1: Now, Anthony, just for the point of reference, how big was this first company?
2: Let's see. They had five offices, I believe, mostly in Maryland, and I was working in the sole Northern Virginia office. So, a few hundred over over uh, five different offices. So, it was a relatively decent sized firm, you know, with a big Maryland presence. And I had taken the role as a, a CAD designer in their Northern Virginia office, which at the time probably had. Ten to fifteen people in it,
1: and this was back around ten years ago or so,
2: right? Uh, this is two thousand five, so a little over twelve years ago, I think. From there, you know, like I said, I happened to catch on really quick. I was able to carry on a conversation so I pretty well with some reviewers and the local jurisdictions, and then before I know it, I was uh, pretty friendly with them. Was able to build some good relationships with some clients pretty quickly, and I think within two and a half years. I was a system project manager and starting to run my own projects with the guidance of the PEs in the office. And unfortunately, right around the same time, that's when the market started to take a turn. So that brings us to around 2007, 2008, where they decided to shut down that satellite office that I was in in Northern Virginia. And at the same time, the general manager of that office Was contemplating starting his own firm, and that's where Smith Engineering started in October of 2008. And uh, he had asked me to come along for the ride with him.
1: Before we go any further, I just want to jump in here because I've asked Anthony to summarize this because I want to get to some of the more potentially difficult or interesting decisions that he had to make as of recently. But he glossed over some stuff that is probably like really important for you to know as a civil engineer, which is building your career, he came in kind of at the, the ground level, didn't have all the credentials that maybe everybody would have had starting in this industry, but learned the technical stuff, was doing hands-on work, which is the best way, like he said, to really understand an industry or project and how it works. And then he was building relationships at the same time with people locally, which if you know anything about civil engineering, you know that that's a critical component of doing work, especially for private consultants as a civil engineer, is your relationship building which is going to be a big part of business development down the road, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit. But so after all that, because of the economy, he had to make a different decision or he had to make a different move in his career. And he ended up with this company that is now starting from scratch. Right, Anthony?
2: That's correct. Yeah. So in October of '08, I was, I guess, the, the first employee of Smith Engineering. And it was uh, Blake Smith and myself. At that point, I really only had three and a half years of experience in the industry, but you know, came on as basically his only project manager. We kind of, believe it or not, hit the market at the right time. Even though the the market overall was downturn and a recession and all that, we were able to provide some good service to clients that were looking for good output for a bargain because times were tight. And uh, it just uh, was ended up being a really good time.
1: What would make Blake? And again, it's nothing against your background, but obviously, like you said, you didn't have the civil education. You hustled and you learned stuff, which to your success was great. But now he decides to bring you on as the only, the first employee in his firm. What do you think gave him the confidence in you?
2: Probably gets back to that initial interview that we had when I was coming out of school. You know, he saw something in me. Like you said, it it wasn't obviously the, the educational background, being from an engineering school or with an engineering degree. But uh, trying to be modest here, he saw a hard worker. He saw a guy that could build some relationships and had some solid relationships in the area, passionate about what he was working on and the the company he was working for. If you've ever tried to grow a company or a team, you know, you got to get good people around you. So I got to think that was his decision.
1: That makes sense. So now we're at about 2008 or so, 2007, 2008. You're starting with Blake on his company. You're the first employee. You guys obviously have this monumental task ahead of you of building a firm from scratch in what sounds like not a great economy at that time, of course. Take us through these years now and how this all unfolded and how the company grew.
2: We start off where we get a an eight by 10 office space somewhere. And it's just him and I, you know, like I said, we're doing some bare bones engineering, hands-on stuff. I had come from MicroStation with the old firm and we made the decision to move to AutoCAD just because that was more of the industry standard around here. I basically taught myself AutoCAD through some Google you know, webinars and we were doing you know, everything we could to bring in some work early on. And it really doesn't take much to keep a couple of guys busy. And uh, I'd say within the first six months, eight months or so, we got our first kind of several hundred unit residential project. And then we started to hire after that and we slowly continued to grow. And I say slowly, conservatively, it's probably the appropriate term, only growing with the work that was coming in, not hiring several people. Just to say we were several people or dozens of people and then hoping that the work would follow, more getting the work in the door, pushing ourselves to the limits and then, you know, hiring at that point.
1: Hiring when it was like absolutely safe to hire. Absolutely. So tell me this now, as this is happening, Anthony, from a company perspective, this is great. It's growing. You guys, it sounds like you're being smart and conservative, making the right decisions. What are you thinking and how are you yourself like progressing? Like what do your tasks look like?
2: I was thrown into a fire. I was forced into a situation where, Obviously, it can be management of projects, but first started, I was the project manager. I was the designer. I was the admin. I had a joker between Blake and I about how many different things I could put next to my name aside from project manager, just because when there's only two people running in the office, you wear many hats. Really, I think that's the best way to learn sometimes is putting yourselves in uncomfortable situations, and the cream will rise to the top in those types of instances. So I was doing project management. Like I said, all the design work. It wasn't until six months or a year before we kind of got another designer or a CAD drafter in there full time and then slowly started to delve out some work to that person and, you know, just continued on from there. As the company grew, it was getting more into, you know, hiring decisions and contracts.
1: Anthony, what's the timeline? When would you say like roughly you guys started hiring people? A couple of years in or a year and a half? or?
2: I think it was less than a year. We hired our first person. And then within a couple of years, we had grown out of that, literally that single office space. And then Blake had kind of got the office next door. We might have had three people. And then we bounced over to another office space with about 2,000 square feet. And there we just, you know, work was really picking up and grew a little bit more. It was a gradual growth, nothing major, never more than one or two people within a couple months, just because, you know, we know that that can kind of have a negative effect when you hire too many people at the same time. So we grew slowly.
1: At this point in time, let's say it's like 2010 or so, roughly. Like you're a couple years in. How old are you just for point of reference at this point?
2: 2010, seven years ago, I was probably 28.
1: So you're 28 years old. Now you're hustling with uh, Blake. You guys are building it. You've got a couple people now hired. Now, are you starting to get into clients, correspondence, business development? Is that starting to happen or not yet?
2: Oh yeah, i already starting to get a, a touch of that at my third year in the previous firm, and I think you know that's another reason why they decided to bring me on as his first employee. I was on a fast track, like I said, I, the design work kind of came somewhat naturally to me, so I was able to blow through that the first couple of years, and then get into interacting with jurisdictions, reviewers, going to hearings, interacting with clients, and getting along with them pretty well. So I was exposed to that probably earlier than the average person.
1: This is another point for me to highlight for those listening that are up and coming civil engineers, because I know we have CEs of all levels that listen. This business development is something that'll make you stand out, which we've talked about many times on the podcast. And this was obviously like Anthony saying, probably something that Blake saw in him when he had to make a decision on taking Anthony on as the employee that's going to help him build his company. He probably remembered some of those business development activities or wins that he might have seen Anthony have previously. Anthony so let's keep going. so the company's growing, take us just through the progressions now as it grows, how the company's looking
2: for a couple of years in now into again kind of a, an established office space, much better than a single office, we probably have three or four employees the work's starting to grow with that, the pressure starts to increase just because you know, before it's just you and another guy now you're having to get work in the door and you know the livelihood of three or four other individuals that you've hired on full-time. So that's when the pressure starts to kind of pick up. And then continued on. I mean, we got larger and larger projects, more volume, starting to get a variety of projects, uh, moving away from residential, which was our kind of bread and butter, starting to get into a little bit of institutional work. Had a couple big projects come through the door, and word starts to spread that Blake and Anthony's shop isn't just two guys anymore. It's five or six people, and that people can start relying on us to actually get some things done. So that's when the the word starts to get around the industry locally here that people can have some confidence in us.
1: And that's another maybe like a, a step on the growth chart is when this reputation of a company starts to become really established and people start to refer people to them. People start to want to bring more work to a firm like that. I think in the civil engineering world, from my experience, referrals is a huge component of your business, of your revenue potentially, because a lot of times you work for developers that'll develop multiple properties. That's a huge deal. So now this company is growing. You've kind of probably made it out of that early stages where you're holding your breath to see if things were going to work out or not. It's becoming an established company. How does your role now evolve or grow or what changes for you as far as management, et cetera?
2: For a while there, I was the only project manager. Every project was running through me directly. I had my hands in every part of the design. It wasn't until maybe year five that we hired on a new project manager that I could start to teach and train just to kind of alleviate some of the pressure off me. We grew, ultimately became the director. I can't recall what exactly that, what year that was, but we needed a position in the firm to guide the new project managers. To train them, and that's when I took on that role, and and I was really doing similar types of things, just on a higher volume, but also responsible for reviewing timesheets, all you know, HR work, invoicing, contract proposal writing, all of those types of things. Where you're in that level, you kind of need to be getting your hands into. So the director role was a good position for me.
1: So as the director, you were kind of overseeing the project managers.
2: Yeah. So. Blake obviously was continuing to be the owner and had his hands in business development, some of the higher level decisions. And then it was myself and then everybody else. So we've had three project managers and three different design teams that I was in charge of.
1: I would just imagine that since day one, you and Blake were probably communicating on a daily basis quite a bit.
2: Oh, yeah, absolutely. We talked to each other uh, all the time and he's an owner that was very present in the office was not an owner that would just come in for you know his cup of coffee at, at 10 and leave at 11. He was in there working just because it was his company. So he wanted to make sure that uh, things were going well. And yeah, we communicated often.
1: All right. So now you've pretty much seen here pretty full progression of Anthony from starting out, working for a company for two or three years, learning stuff, facing adversity with this company, the first company because of the economy but he stepped into another opportunity where he was the first employee with a chance to build a company. And now he's explained how they built this company. Anthony, let's start to like set the scene for this next decision that you had to make as you're getting ready to make this decision to leave the company. How does the company look? Like, give me some numbers, like how big is the company? How's it looking at that point?
2: We probably topped out around 15 people. We've got a full-time office manager, really established, got the website, the medical insurance for everybody, 401k, you know, this is all stuff that you don't get right off the bat when you start a company, but that you ultimately work your way towards. And so the company's in a groove and you know, I'm still the director. One thing to kind of remind myself is help helped start the company in 08 or when I first started with them, and I was married with no children. So my wife was working. This company was, you know, the only thing that I was really focused on at that time. Nine, I had my first child and Today, they're four and seven years old. I have two girls. Families start to play a role as my children started to get older. My priorities started to change. And I think that's you know one of the main reasons why I've made this decision most recently.
1: We didn't really talk about some of the details, but I'm assuming because this was a company of just you and Blake that you built, you guys worked a lot of hours.
2: Yes. Unfortunately, that's the the nature of the industry, especially civil engineering, at least around here, is that to stay ahead and begin a small company, we basically, we had to act and perform like we were two or three times our size. In order to do that, we had to work efficiently and work harder and longer. When you're the small kid on a block trying to break into an industry, the only way you're going to kind of survive and make a name for yourself is if you're putting up output plans, projects, turning around as fast or faster than some of these bigger firms. So yes, we had to put long hours in. And quite frankly, it moved at up hundred miles per hour for about eight and a half years until the day I left.
1: And listen, just from my perspective, I mean, I don't care what political background people have. If you want to talk about the opportunities in the United States of America, in my opinion, this is the opportunity. You get two guys that come together in an eight by 10 office and build a civil engineering company to 15 people. To be able to have that opportunity, to be able to, to start from scratch and do that is an amazing opportunity. That being said, it's a tremendous amount of work, obviously, which and sacrifice, which Anthony just described to you some of it, leading us up to this next decision or step in his career recently, which was the decision to leave this firm. So Anthony, now walk us through that.
2: It was a tough decision, but something that I had been kind of contemplating for the past uh, year or so or longer. Like I said, you know, when we started the company, I didn't have any children, and we had one girl and another girl, and as they grew older, I found myself continually making decisions based on work first, and it wasn't until really recently, just a few months ago, where I kind of had to make the decision that that was not the path that I wanted to go down. I didn't want to, I'd already blinked in 12 years of my career had gone by. I didn't want to blink again and be 20, 25 years into my career and have my children in college and not uh, have the memories that I intended on having.
1: That's great that you had that ability to stop and take that in.
2: There's a lot of things going on, but primarily that was my focus. I had stuck around for a long time. You know, it's based on my loyalty to Blake. Seeing the the company where I was at was exciting, and they were a well-oiled machine, and uh, I knew that they would be just fine. On the path that they were going and and might have been a good opportunity for me to, to step back.
1: All right. So you make this decision in your own mind. And then how do you handle this with Blake? You have a conversation with him?
2: I've had a couple tough conversations with Blake, even back when he first hired me, asking for my first raise to when we were building the company together. I'm a strong believer that if you want something or you got to get something off your chest, pick up the phone or walk into somebody's office and ask for the 15 minutes and and kind of lay it out on the table. And what the result of that is, it is, but at least you, you kind of put it out on the table and you know let everybody know what you're thinking rather than holding things in and, and hoping things work out without doing anything on yourself.
1: Now, when you went to him, this was already 100% in your mind, your decision?
2: Yes, I was uh, 100% confident that that was going to be my decision. The way I explained it to him, you know, getting back to my family and worrying about missing the next seven, 10, 15 years of my kids growing up. There's not too much you can say on the other side of the table. Um, He has daughters himself that I've seen him raise and he got it. And it was a decision that I made. I was confident about it. It was an emotional decision. It was very cordial. It was not an argument or any kind of bad, bad breakup. It was a discussion. And I gave him, because of my time there, I didn't just give him two weeks. I, I let him know a month and a half before I was ready to move away and wanted to kind of leave on a high note. You know, I never intended on burning any bridges.
1: Sure. Now, when was this, Anthony?
2: I had given him my notice, let's see, probably mid-March.
1: So you gave him notice mid-March. You worked there for another month and a half, closed things out, I guess, best you could. And then you move on, and then you find yourself now, one day you wake up. There's no Smith Engineering for you to go to. How did that feel?
2: Well, part of me was uh, I could probably give that that sigh of relief, not just because I didn't have to go to work anymore, but because I felt like I'd been holding my breath almost for the past eight and a half years, working 100 miles per hour, focusing on building the business, working through tough times with tough projects, tough clients, all that stuff that that goes around in this industry. It was actually just a, a sigh of relief initially just to take a step back and uh, refocus my priorities here.
1: Now, when you made the decision and when you left, did you have an idea of what you were going to do next, or not necessarily?
2: No, and that was part of the discussion with Blake. You know, I told him straight up that I was not going to another engineering firm, which you know is is every boss's or owner's worst nightmare for their kind of their key or select employees. I didn't have any plans. I just wanted to take some time, refocus, explore other opportunities, and even out the industry altogether. Since
1: that time, what have you been up to? Or have you made any decisions on what you're going to do?
2: Since I've left, I am basically meeting with all the people that I've grown relationships with over the past 12 and a half years in this industry. It's tempting when you make a move like this just to say, forget it. I've had enough of the industry altogether. I need to, to do something completely different. It's very tempting to say that, but it's tough to throw away 12 and a half years of experience doing one thing and 12 and a half years of relationship building that I had and to not see if there's maybe another way to make money, have a career, but maybe not doing the exact same thing. And uh, so what I'm doing now is talking to those people and continuing those relationships and brainstorming, getting some feedback, trying to find perhaps another way I can continue on in the development industry here in Virginia. If something's there, great. If not, one thing that this experience has, has taught me is that I can. You know, I have a lot of confidence in what I can do, even if it's something completely new and different.
1: I guess just a couple last questions here, and then we're going to jump into our end segment. I have a few other questions. But so you're a young guy, obviously, still. You have young kids, which means you probably need to make more money because you got to pay for their college. Is there like some urgency there? Is it like your wife saying you got to get another job or is she kind of like giving you some space or like, how's that looking?
2: I wouldn't have made this decision to completely stop working for the time being if I didn't think we could you know, handle it financially. My wife works, so that obviously helps. But this was a decision that we both made together. We wanted to kind of refocus our priorities here. Cliche, family comes first. And we kind of put our money where our mouth was with that. And we're going to explore all the options and alternatives I have here to kind of bring in some income and Hopefully, I find a way to, to stay at home more, provide some independent consulting in the industry, kind of on a project basis or a part-time basis here and there, and uh, you know see where it goes. And if, if not, I'll explore some other options. Best case scenario is I can spend some time and continue to walk my kids to school, maybe get a run in in the morning. Things that I haven't been able to do since my kids have been born.
1: Definitely commend you and your wife, like you said, for putting your money where your mouth is because I think it's a difficult thing to do. Unfortunately, I think that there's too many people in your position that just keep going. They aren't able to stop or see make that tough decision. And I think it comes back. It could definitely come back to hurt you from a family perspective. So congratulations on doing that. Last thing on this, on your career here, Anthony, is just had a question about the background, the education and you mentioned that you didn't have the degree in engineering, but you obviously learned what you needed to learn to be able to grow this company, which was phenomenal. Did that ever prohibit you from doing anything? or
2: There came a time, or two where I'd get the, the question, or for either it's a new client, or you're out at, at a meeting, and, you know, well, you're a PE, right? You can sign this, right? And I never hit it. I was never trying to disguise myself as a professional engineer, and those conversations are obviously... A lot easier if you just say, Yeah, sure, I can sign it or yes, I am P E. The timing of those conversations happened well into my career where I was out interacting, where I was confident enough in what I could do and my relationships that I had in and out of the industry. You know, I was very straightforward saying, No, you know what? It's a funny story. I took that time to explain the history, explain what I did in school and what my first job was and how I've kind of picked up and then by the end of the story, they're like, No, I can't believe it. I would have thought you'd been a professional engineer for five, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, there's an element where I wish I could have, uh, me signing my own plans, but at the end of the day, I think things worked out. I had great supervision and guidance from Blake as the PE of the office. So never was a hindrance, but it was something I kind of took on head on whenever it came up.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it was great. Use that as an opportunity again, to connect with people, tell your story and then just keep working, keep plugging away. All right, so now we're going to transition into our Civil Engineering Hot Seat segment where I'm going to fire off a series of questions to Anthony that'll focus mostly on personal and professional development so we can round this one out.
0: Civil Engineering Podcast. Civil Engineering Podcast.
1: All right, now it's time for our CE Hot Seat segment, which in today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, PPI. PPI. If you're preparing for the civil PE exam, you probably know that the Civil Engineering Reference Manual by Michael Lindeberg is the book to use. Michael Lindeberg is actually the founder and president of PPI, the leader in FE and PE exam prep. PPI has new prep courses available for the civil PE exam that offer complete coverage of not only the morning breath exam, but also your choice of afternoon depth exams. The course presents over 60 hours of new content and walks you through tons of exam-like practice problems. When you enroll in the live online prep course, PPI also includes on-demand lectures for free, so you can start studying while you wait for the course to begin. Through October 2017, PPI will be choosing two of our podcast listeners per month to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you enroll in this course. To enter the raffle, visit www.ppitopass.com forward slash civil prep. Again, that's www.ppi, the number two, pass forward slash civil prep. From there, you'll need to choose your course and checkout. On the checkout page, enter the promo code prep and then complete your enrollment. Again, you need to enter the promo code prep before completing your enrollment to qualify for the gift card. You'll be notified on the first of the month if you won the $100 gift card. I used PPI for my PE exam prep, so I feel confident in recommending that you check out this prep course. Plus, you could win $100. Good luck. All right, Anthony, welcome to the CE Hot Seat. You ready to go? Let's do it. First question. Are there any specific rituals that you practice every day? For example, do you have a, a morning routine or a lunchtime routine, something that you do consistently on a daily basis that contributes to being successful as a professional?
2: Getting into the office, when I was at that office uh, as a director, you know, getting in and making sure I saw everybody in the office, saying hello and uh trying to keep things light initially in the office by, you know, joking around. I think the way you start your day is very important and trying to keep your staff happy and motivated by starting the day off light and happy was my focus.
1: Anthony, what is one book that you recommend to engineers regularly, or just maybe one book that you found to be extremely helpful in your professional or personal development?
2: I couldn't recommend one specific book. I'm a baseball coach on the side, and whenever I see coaching quotes, leadership quotes, I'm drawn to all that stuff. I eat that up with a spoon. So On Twitter or LinkedIn or any kind of podcast, there are some big-time coaches. I find that uh, there's a a direct correlation between being a leader in office and being a coach. It's all the same thing. And if you can motivate people and find ways to motivate people, you're going to be successful. So that's what I'd recommend.
1: I got one final question, which we call the uh, civil engineering career elevator advice question. Basically, if you got into an elevator with a civil engineering professional and you had about 30 to 40 seconds with him or her and you had to give him or her career advice in that short period of time, what would it be?
2: I'd say work your tail off early. Don't be afraid to get outside your comfort zone. Build some relationships. Become friendly with some clients and reviewers because you never know when when those relationships are going to come back. And if you do those things and and kind of keep your nose to the grindstone early on, I think good things are going to happen in the future for you.
1: All right, Anthony, really, we appreciate you coming on the Civil Engineering Podcast here, sharing your story. We wish you kind of the best of luck going forward. And I'm assuming, I think our listeners can find you on LinkedIn, right? Absolutely. Anthony's on LinkedIn. We'll link to his profile in the notes. And remember, you can find the show notes For this episode at civilengineeringpodcast.com, you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. You can leave a question in the comments section or visit the Ask Us tab on the website. We monitor all comments and we'll respond if you leave us one. So until next time, I wish you the best in all of your civil engineering career endeavors.